You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome to Pet Life Radio's On the Road with Mac and Molly. This is your host, Donna Haleson. In this episode, we'll be visiting with Catherine Powers, Animal Control Officer for Curry County on the southern coast of Oregon. From a heart filled with passion and compassion, Catherine will tell us how she was drawn into this work. In our time together, we'll hear about the wide range of responsibilities that rest on the shoulders of animal control officers. Catherine's duties include responding to emergency calls, rescuing the endangered, attending to dog licensing, providing health-building food, clean shelter, and loving care for abandoned animals, seeking safe and permanent homes for the same, overseeing volunteers, and much more. Each day brings its own special challenges. Catherine will share some of the heartbreaks and triumphs that come with the territory, and she'll share her vision for the ideal animal shelter. We'll conclude our time together with a discussion about the unique way Catherine has found to help fund her animal rescue efforts, providing daycare and overnight boarding for dogs who already have pet parents. All that and more when we return from these messages. So please, sit, stay. We'll be right back after this pause. Sit, stay. We'll be right back after a short pause. Love your pets but wish their medications were a lot less expensive? They are at 1-800-PET-MEDS. You'll not only save on flea and heartworm medications, but on prescriptions for arthritis, incontinence, thyroid, and more. And you get fast service, free shipping, and a 100% satisfaction guarantee. Plus, our licensed pharmacists ensure accuracy, monitor drug interaction, and more. See why over 5 million people have trusted their pet's health to 1-800-PET-MEDS, America's largest pet pharmacy. Call now or order online. Go to 1-800-PetMeds.com forward slash road R-O-A-D to get 10% off any order and free shipping on orders of $39 or more at PetMeds.com. How would you like your business to reach out and invite in our audience? We have a brand new trademark concept called Info Seeds. Info Seeds are short 20-second seeds of information about your place of business, practice, or service is the best, most cost-effective way to invite us in. We only have a limited number of slots left. For more information, visit the website. PetLifeRadio.com Click on Sponsorship Information. There you can listen to a sample of Info Seed. Remember, only a limited number of opportunities are available. Hi everybody, I'm Megan Blake here with my sidekick, Super Smiley. The giant mutt and spokes dog for throwaways. You're listening to Pet Life Radio and I'd like to tell you about our brand new show, A Super Smiley Adventure. Our show explores adventures with animals. They can be traveling, out in the world trips, or inner journeys where our animals lead us to inspiration and self-discovery. Or just plain fun adventures. Join us here on Pet Life Radio on A Super Smiley Adventure. Good boy. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome. 
Welcome to Pet Life Radio's On the Road with Mac and Molly. This is your host, Donna Haleson. And with us today is Catherine Powers, Animal Control Officer in Curry County, Oregon. Hi, Catherine. Hi, Donna. <laughs> Thank you so much for taking time out from your extraordinarily busy schedule to, uh, to be with us. Thank you for having me on. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, as I noted, you are the animal control officer for Curry County, and home base for you is the animal shelter that is located in Gold Beach, Oregon. How long have you been the county's animal control officer, and for how large an area do you have responsibility? I've been the animal control officer for almost three years. I do Langlois, which is 45 minutes north of Gold Beach, into Harbor which is about 40 miles south of Gold Beach. I do all the dogs at large, barking dogs, dog bite, trays. That's my area. Now, what other communities are included in that? Or maybe if there are so very many, if you can just say how many communities? There's not very many. There's Langlois, which next door to Langlois is coming south is Port Orford. Then there is uh, Ofer, which is very small. Gold Beach And then the largest is the Brookings Harbor area. That's a a large community where there's probably 20,000 people compared to the 4,000 in Gold Beach. Well, what does an animal control officer do? I pick up strays. People in this economy abandon dogs a lot and the dog will be running. And hopefully we'd like to find the owner. Pit bulls being the hardest to place, people just kind of dump them off. And then I will pick up the dog bring it into the shelter, give it all its inoculations, try and find the owner. If no one claims it, we're going to put it up for adoption and get it a new home. I go on calls where if there is an aggressive dog, I'll go and try and find the owner and let them know that their dog cannot be aggressive with other dogs. I go on barking dog complaints. And the funnest one is when I go on, my neighbor's dog pooped on my lawn. (laughs) It's <laughs> like, okay. So, you know, I do uh, various things. I also do transfers. I take the dogs to the vet for their spays, neuters. I do all the transporting of all the animals to and from the veterinary clinics because we can't do the altering here at the shelter. Now, how are you the only animal control officer for the county? I am. Oh, my. <laughs> yeah. I do oh. have a shelter attendant that works two days a week on my days off. Now, is that shelter attendant a volunteer? No, she's a paid employee. Um, she can't write citations. I'm the only one that can write the citations. So once you get a citation written, court is another thing that I also have to do. I have to write a report, go to court if they plead not guilty, prove that. Because the animal violations are just that. They're violations, <clears throat> dog at large, public nuisance. And a violation is similar to a speeding ticket. It needs to be seen in order to be cited. So they went ahead and changed our county laws so that I can cite on a violation because the state ordinance, you cannot cite on a violation if you didn't see it. So they changed the the wording so that I can cite in the county. Can you tell us a little bit about those who volunteer at the shelter? Because I, I really begin to wonder with all that you've said just up to this point, how you would ever be able to handle all the work without them. You don't. Volunteers are the glue to the shelter. They are but helps the shelter run. Um, I've got a, it's my husband. He comes in in the mornings with me and helps me clean the kennel, scoop the poop. I get the dogs out usually by myself. Um, I get here a little before eight and we run around and the dogs run around and out the door we go. 
and then my husband will come behind me and help me clean the kennels. I scoop the poop outside, and then I don't. I won't pick up the telephone until ten o'clock because my dogs have to come first. If we ever have a full house, which we can house up to forty dogs, we thank goodness don't do cats yet. On a full house, I won't be able to pick up the phone till eleven. Most of the volunteers start coming about ten o'clock, and they'll answer the phone. If I'm not here, they'll man the office. They'll do poop. They'll do laundry. They'll help me feed the dogs, get fresh water. Uh, without them, we're lost. The dogs mm-hmm. wouldn't get the attention they need in order to be become just wonderful animals for adoption. Why do you do this work? And what prepared you for it? I was a volunteer for three years. I had an empty <laughs> nest. My children were out of high school. And I was feeling sorry for myself one day. I had no life. And... I walked by the shelter and I saw these ladies standing outside. It was a Sunday and it was about noontime. And I said, could I walk a dog? And they said, well, it's Sunday and we're closed. How about tomorrow? About 10 o'clock. I showed up at 10 o'clock. The other animal control officer that worked here was here. And I said, I'd like to walk a dog. So he hooked me up with Jersey and out the door Jersey. And I went and I had a wonderful time. And I came back and said, I'll take another one. And then I came back the next morning and he gave me Jersey again. And out we went. And I was doing it every day because, number one, it was great exercise. Mm-hmm. This dog, Jersey, really liked me. His tail would wag and I felt really good. I had meaning. And Jersey's now my dog. I adopted him. And it was a kill shelter. And I had a really hard time one morning when I showed up and I went in the kennels. By the time I had walked dogs probably for about two months, I started taking more than one dog. I would take two, sometimes three, and I would go down to the jetty area and I'd go to the beach and we'd play and play. And it started with, there would be people that would come to watch. Here were these shelter dogs playing, having a great time being dogs, dogs that normally don't get to do that. And people would watch and really be impressed. And then I'd walk downtown with these dogs and I'd try to show the people what we had at the shelter for adoptions. And the one morning when I got here and wanted, came in for my pack, and I looked at the man that worked here, and I said, where, where are my dogs? He looked at me, and I said, you didn't. And I went right to the sheriff and said, if he kills another dog, I will go public. And that's when we became no-kill. He told him he could not euthanize another animal without his permission. And we started getting dogs homes, and we started getting dogs outside. One of the other volunteers with me said, these dogs never get out. We started tethering the dogs outside. And then it was 2007, the winter of 2007, we had a horrendous storm. The winds were 130 miles an hour and it blew the back of the kennels down, which weren't very well built. Luckily, volunteers and myself had brought the dogs in, doubled them up, and nobody died, thank God. But the shelter got knocked down. And that was the start of what we have today, a fabulous facility. We formed Pennies for Pooches right after the storm which is the nonprofit behind the shelter. That was the start of what has become a wonderful place for dogs to be until they find their forever home. Can you give us a a word picture of the shelter? Where is it located? How is it set up? I always tell people it's located in beautiful downtown Gold Beach where the Rogue River meets the ocean. Unfortunately, we're in the tsunami zone, but it's centrally located. Centrally located shelters are, it's a, proven fact that they have better adoptions. People drive by, they see the dogs outside. Um, there's kennels outside. There's kennels also in the back where a boarding dog would go so that 
it wouldn't walk out of the shelter when it's not supposed to with somebody that um, would want to steal a dog. Nobody's ever stole a dog. So you drive by, you can see the, the Jerry's Jet Boats is located right next door, which people will walk from Jerry's Jet Boats down to look at the jetty. They see the dogs. They'll poke their head in, drop a donation in the bucket. So we do have a great location except for the tsunami zone. We are smack in the middle of it. When you walk in the door of the shelter, um, we have three couches. Two are in the office. Um, one's in the laundry room, and the couches are for the dogs. They are their couches. Um, the humans can sit on them, but they're going to get dog hair on them. Um, dog beds are laying around. Biscuits are everywhere. We have a toy box. Leashes are hanging. It's just a real homey environment. And we try to make the dogs as comfortable as they can be so that when they go into a home, they see a couch. They know what it is. A lot of humans don't like their dogs on a couch, and I apologize to the people when they take a dog out of here, and I tell them, we got a couch potato because it's going to get on your couch because I let them. But, you know, they're different dogs. They're shelter dogs. They're the unwanted dogs. Mm-hmm. They're the dogs that were discarded, you know, for mm-hmm. what reasons or abandoned. And we provide them with the environment, home-wise, <clears throat> so that they can get a home, so that they can be loved. The human touch, you know, we're with them seven days a week. We don't close. Our shelter, if we're scooping poop and you want to look at a dog, we encourage you to come in seven days a week. You mentioned that uh, that you don't take in cats, but uh, as you said, there are so many that have been, so many animals that have been discarded, they're unwanted. I wonder if people just drop, do they just drop animals at your door and animals other than dogs? They would normally call for a cat, and we do have a woman that's trying to run a shelter with cats. If I had my way, I would take cats if I had a place to put them. Cats, boy, there's so many. We're trying to put an end to the homeless pets, and cats, spay and neuter. Mary Sue is 80-some odd years old. She does what she can in the facility that she's got. And our neighboring county, Brookings, um, South Coast Humane is down there, and they mostly do cats. They're always full, but if I'm in need, I can call them and say, I've got a cat, someone abandon it, and they'll take it in. Do you see your most important function as searching for those forever homes for the, uh, for the animals that are brought to you? Absolutely. That's, I always laugh. It was my birthday in July this year, and I said my, my wish, and I blew my candles out, and I said my wish is someday walk into the kennels and not have any dogs. You know, just, everybody's got a home. And that week was our Curry County Fair. And 14 dogs were placed. I had four dogs left. And I thought, oh, my wish. My birthday wish is going to come true. It didn't. I didn't, you know, I still kept those four dogs. They were pit bulls, the hardest breed to place. But to have just four dogs, and that's when I reach out to other counties and say, how can I help you? Are you full? I'll take some of your animals. I'm going to skate all the way down into Vallejo, California, to a dog that was abandoned at a shelter that, or excuse me, it was abandoned at a vet office and no shelter would take it because she was scared. So they're going to euthanize it. They said, don't kill it, bring it up. So I took her in. I've rescued into Bandon. I'll go wherever I need to rescue to get a dog mm-hmm. home. Well, what is entailed in an adoption? How much does it cost to adopt a dog from your shelter? Our adoption fee is $65 and that dog is altered. It's up to date on all its inoculations, including rabies. If you live in the county, we like to put a license on the dog. It's $20. So for $85, you'll walk out with your dog, a leash, a packet from Pet Finder. You'll walk out with a Curry County Animal Shelter reusable shopping bag. You'll walk out with food, bones, balls, toys, 
everything you need, blankets for your dog. And we encourage people to foster the dog first. Because you don't know if this dog's going to fit in your life unless you've been coming down and playing with the dog and walking the dog. So we encourage a foster program. And give yourself a couple weeks to see if this is the right dog. And if it's not, your money is refunded. The adoption isn't final until you say, I want to adopt. And then we finalize the adoption. If the dog doesn't work out, we want the dog back. We've placed dogs in the Portland area, and I've driven the dog halfway, and the, the human met me. And we've done the foster, and if it didn't work, I told him I'd drive all the way back up to Portland, Oregon to get my dog back. And I haven't had to drive yet, but I do <laughs> offer that. I, That's good. I, yeah, yeah, we do offer it. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've had people come from all over to get one of our dogs because they're very socialized. You mentioned Pet Finder. Uh, there might uh-huh. be someone listening today who wouldn't know what Pet Finder is. Could you explain that? Pet Finder is a national <clears throat> company that puts dogs on a database. And you can go to PetFinder.com and go to shelter. You can go look for a breed. Just put the breed that you like and put 30 miles from where you live and put your zip code in and it'll beam up the dogs in various shelters up for adoption. You can go to shelter by state and look in a town and see the dogs. We try to update Pet Finder as quickly as dogs come in so that we can get the dogs into homes. A lot of people will search for a specific breed and Pet Finder will find you the breed closest to you. And there's shelters all over the United States that Pet Finder puts on their database. Now, you also mentioned that each dog leaves with a license. What is required for uh, dog licensing in, in Oregon, and why is it important to license a dog? Licensing in Oregon is, it is a law. They would like, Oregon, the statute reads that you have 30 days from the time you move into your county, to purchase a license. To purchase a license, you go down to, we can pick them up. You can pick them up at our local vet's office, city hall. In the bigger cities, you can do it online, and they'll send you the tag. You have to have proof of rabies, which that's also a state ordinance, that you, your dog is inoculated for rabies. The fine for no proof of rabies is $500, so it's not cheap. In Curry County, the fine for no animal shelter license is $287. The license is $25 a year for an altered dog, for a dog that's spayed or neutered, and 42 for a dog that's intact. And the reason for the jump up there is we encourage altering so there's no more homeless pets. We don't encourage breeding at all. You know, I can hear in your voice and having met you, spent some time with you, I know how passionate you are about uh, this work that you do. I know that you uh, strive, and you've said it in this interview, just that you strive to be a no-kill shelter. Could you share some of the challenges that you've faced over the years? Maybe we could start with even some of the heartbreaks. A couple of them. Um, We had a dog that was surrendered by a gentleman local for biting. And he said, I'd like, after the quarantine, I'd like the dog put down. It was a big Rottweiler, Thor. And so Thor spent 10 days with us. And in those 10 days, he get attached. And one of our volunteers said, please ask if we can try and rehabilitate him. And I said, all right. So I went to my boss and I asked Lieutenant Ward if we could rehabilitate him. And he said, well, try and see what happens. Okay. So we started working with Thor. Thor loved uh, men. Didn't quite think he liked women very much, but we were working on him. Thor also had the eyes. So in about two months, a lady called and we felt Thor was doing great. We felt he was ready. She called from Albany, Oregon. And I said, he 
was surrendered for biting. She said, I know the breed. I'm not afraid of the breed. It's a powerful breed. We're going to drive down. So she came down. Thor loved her husband, loved her. They, out the road door they went. So I get a phone call about two months later. They had finalized the adoption. Thor bit her daughter when she was walking down the hallway. And I said, okay, bring him back. So he still had the goopy eyes. So she brought him back. We met her halfway. She brought him back. I took Thor to our eye doctor, our local eye doctor, to have his eyes examined, thinking maybe he couldn't see right, that the eyelashes were the reason for the goopy eyes. We took him to the vet, and they removed some of the eyelashes that were poking in his eye. Took him to the eye doctor, and the eye doctor said, he can see fine. I was like, okay. So we kept Thor around. His original owner drove by and saw him outside and said, I can't do it. i got to take him home. We also had altered Thor. He came to us unaltered. So Keith came in. He picked up Thor, took him home. About a week went by. I got a phone call at home from Keith. Thor was sitting on the couch with Keith's uncle having a popsicle. And out of the blue, he bit him, ripped his arm wide open. He took him to the hospital. There was about 34 stitches. And... I brought Thor in and Dr. Hammer and I came down and we put him to sleep. We gave him everything we could, every chance, couldn't rehabilitate him. We tried. And then in, and then we found out after we had put Thor down that Thor had a, a sister and she was pretty high bred. They tried to breed size into them and Thor was a big dog. And his sister, they had the sons, had started biting and they took and did a cat scan on her and her brain was too big for her skull. So we don't know. We never did that for Thor, but we don't know if that also is what happened with Thor, and they had to put Thor's sister down for biting. So we didn't know, but that was a heartbreaker for me. We tried everything we could do for him, and it it didn't work. You've mentioned, just in our conversations off the radio here, that, I don't know, I guess this the anger that wells up in you when you see the ways in which people treat animals. And you had just come across a dog that had been left tied up in a, I think, in a public place. and Tied to a know, tree. Yeah, tied to a tree. I'm wondering about some of those, some of those stories. You know, what have you seen over the years? And, and then the triumphs on the other side of that, when you have gone to pick up an animal that has been so badly abused or abandoned, and just the joy that you have in seeing a really wonderful placement in a forever home. You know, we did a raid on a hoarder in Brookings, and I befriended the man to try and get my foot in the door, and I did. And once we got a couple of the animals out and took them to the vet, they said, it's neglect. When we got 22 dogs and 31 cats out of this one small garage where they all were living, including the humans, the, if the filth they lived in was unacceptable. I, yeah, I was angry. I cried. But the joy was the night that I left. And I, it was one of those nights where I didn't get done until 9 o'clock. I looked around and looked at the dogs, told them that I loved them. And they first time in their lives, they slept on an orthopedic bed with a clean blanket. They didn't sleep in feces and urine. They smelled good because they had a bath. They had their shots. They had their toenails clipped. They were, for the first time, getting their needs met. And that was the joy. To look at this one old dog, Venus, with the cone on his head, his back was so chewed up. To look at him laying on that bed filled my heart with joy. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's like Jasmine mm-hmm. was tied tree. To look at her now, 20 one pounds heavier. It brings me joy to say, yeah, you were abandoned to the tree and you were abandoned and I found you and I rescued you and I saved your life. 
And that's the good part of it. And yeah, do I get angry? I do. Because if you can't take care of an animal, don't get the animal. If you don't have the homeless people, I understand that they want companionship, but at least go, go get some help for your dog or your cat. If you become homeless and you choose to keep your dog, make sure your dog gets its needs met. Go to a shelter. They'll help you. Mm-hmm. You know, there's mm-hmm. so many people lose their homes and they become homeless. And if they don't abandon their dog and they want to keep it, go look for help. There's help out there. Ask. Now, how is your shelter supported? Is it tax dollars, donations? What other means do you, do you have to financially support the shelter? The shelter is under the sheriff's department. It's funded with about, our budget is about $98,000, and that pays for wage, electricity. Mm-hmm. The county doesn't pay for any of the medical or the food. That's funded by Pennies for Pooches, which was the nonprofit that was formed the year of that horrendous storm. The don- we are a 5013C, and the donations that come to Pennies for Pooches are used totally for the dogs. They pay spays, neuters, they help people, any pit bull. Is altered for free. Um, we started altering the pit bulls in our neighboring counties. Medicine, warm medicine, everything is Kenny Sabuchas. They pay for, they are the backbone of this shelter. Without them, we couldn't do it. And they're do- all donations. Oh, pop cans. We get our pop cans. Um, we get grocery receipts. Grocery receipts are wonderful. Our local grocery stores give us 1% of the bottom line of the sale. And that, at Christmas time, when people are really shopping, we'll get like $1,000 from one grocery store and about 700 from the other. And people send us their receipts. They'll drop them off at several different places. And then we sort them. One of our volunteers, hours she spends sorting and adding. She submits them to the grocery stores, and they cut us a check. The money donations come from, we have little boxes, and they're all throughout the county. And people will dump their spare change in it. Uh, people have called and said, is it really pennies for pooches? Absolutely, every penny counts. And they'll bring in a bucket of pennies. We take them up to the bank, and the last bucket of pennies had $18 in pennies. That $18 is $18. That's great. Let's take a break. When we return, our focus will be on a unique service that is offered at the shelter. All that and more in just a few. So please, sit, stay. We'll be right back after these messages. Sit, stay. We'll be right back after a short pause. Buster, you're telling me my dog food products can't go on your shelves? That's right. Didn't pass one of my Petco certified nutrition checklists. Sorry, Wayne. Who made these checklists? Geniuses. Very smart guys. Well, it's good enough for most grocery stores. Do you see cheese puffs on my shelves? Mayonnaise? Soda pop? No. That's because I ain't running no grocery store, Wayne. Your pets will get better nutrition, I guarantee it. Petco, where the healthy pets go. Enter the code LUCKY10, L-U-C-K-Y, the number 10, and get 10% off any order. No minimum at Petco.com. you like your business to reach out and invite in our audience we have a brand new trademark concept called info seeds info seeds are short 20 second seeds of information about your place of business practice or service we only have a limited number of slots left for more information visit petliferadio.com click on sponsorship information there you can listen to a sample of info seed or email us at petliferadio.com remember only a limited number of opportunities are available When you're looking to add a pet into your life, consider adopting a homeless animal from your local shelter or rescue group. 
Whether you want a kitten, puppy, or a more mature pet, a purebred or a one-of-a-kind mixed breed, even a rabbit or hamster, your shelter has the best selection of animals anywhere, all screened for good health and behavior. PetLifeRadio.com presents Take Me Home with your host, Susan Daffron. Join us each week as we showcase wonderful pets, tell stories, and even throw some pet education into the mix. So get ready to find out why the pet adoption option can be a great way to add a furry companion into your life. Take me home every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Well, we're back, and this is On the Road with Mac and Molly on Pet Life Radio. We're chatting today with Catherine Powers, Curry County, Oregon's Animal Control Officer. Well, Catherine, one of the things that I found most intriguing about the shelter, and, and really what especially led me to invite you to do this interview, is that along with providing shelter for lost and abandoned animals, you also offer pet day boarding and overnight boarding. And this is the first time that I'd heard of a shelter doing this. When did you begin doing this, and why? We began boarding two years ago. It was for a woman that was in the hospital. And I said, yeah, yeah, I guess you can leave your dog here, sure. And when she got out, she said, oh, what do I owe you? And I said, well, I, I don't know what you owe me, I guess. So she made a donation. And I was telling the undersheriff about it. And he said, is this something you'd like to do? And I said, well, I don't know why not. We've got a wonderful facility. So we began boarding. And the county is where the overnight boarding, they get the funds from the overnight boarding. The doggy daycare, which is what the boat people would do, they'll bring their dog in for the day. We use a donation to the spay and neuter program and Penny Sapuchas gets that. The county was looking at going back to being a dog pound and every three days doing the E-word, euthanizing, and I couldn't do it. I said, I can't, I won't be able to work here and because there was no funding. And I thought, you know, boarding, it's extra money. Boarding brings in about $16,000 a year for the county. So the shelter, I'm trying desperately for the shelter to break even so that it doesn't need any money from the county fund. Last year, we were pretty close. We needed only $12,000 from the general fund. So we're not, when they talk budget cuts, they usually don't talk about us because we're almost self-supporting. So the, the boarding helps. And is it extra work? Yes, it is. Other shelters tell me I'm nuts. But I take good care of the animals. Um, I make sure that I have a very healthy pack. If I've got someone in my pack that's sick, I won't do any boarding. I don't want to get somebody else's animal sick. Um, in the wintertime, it's kind of hard with the rain to get the dogs out that are house broke. You know, we have to go outside in the rain. And we're looking at covering our outside kennels with, uh, with a roof, which would be wonderful. But, you know, being in a tsunami zone, we kind of hesitate. So the boarding, it is something that is convenient for the community. I have a lot of dogs that their owners go to pick them up and they're like, well, wait, we like it here. Some of the dogs don't have playmates at home and here they do. They have somebody to play with. Boarding is good. Now, do you keep these animals separate from the shelter population? I do. We have a back, what we call the annex after the storm blew. The county had insurance and they put up a building 
Penny Sapuchas put some kennels inside of them, and I put a plea out for orthopedic beds, and everybody got one. They have plenty. So, yes, they're kept in the annex, um, and then when they go outside, I put them out back in the kennels in the back area, which is gated. You can't get in. You'd have to get in through the port area, which they would check, and that's the, or you'd have to come through the shelter to get out to the back area, and that's where the boarders go in the daytime, which mm-hmm. they're, they're large kennels with fresh water. And houses. Everybody has, there's a couple houses in there. And there's also um, big plastic pallets for them to lay on. I, one of the questions I'd really like to ask is, what would your dream shelter and boarding facility look like? When I went to a conference, I'm going again this year, put on by Best Friends out of Utah. It was called No More Homeless Pets. <laughs> they had a company that built just shelters and there was one in Colorado and in uh, Colorado Springs I looked at it and went oh look at this I said how did you get this shelter and of course they put it before their voters it was beautiful it was there weren't cages it looked like a bedroom there were pictures of kids hanging on the walls there was a dresser in there and then the dog's bed so it was just like home and it was all plexiglass so the dogs could look out they had we don't have a quarantine unit, nor do we have a, a, a baby unit, a nursery. I would, I would like heated floors and a nursery, plexiglass, covered kennels outside so they don't get wet. It's just a pitched roof I'd be happy with right now. We live in Oregon where it rains, which is green in Oregon, and we have a flat roof over the shelter. Who put the flat roof on? It rains here. I'd love a pitched roof. Just open and airy and, and beautiful would be my ultimate dream shot. And I would love a place for cats, you know, a separate spot for the cats and, you know, be one big happy family. And I do like to dream and love to look at other shelters and go, look at that one. And I love to walk through them and look at, I look at the pictures online and then even to go to Portland and go, wow, this is beautiful. I'd love to have our medicine room small. It works. I would love to have a small surgery room. We do have a, a volunteer vet who comes down on her days off I just would love to have all that. But that's, you know, that's the dream, and it's healthy to dream. Absolutely. Well, I would imagine that over the years you've had an opportunity to see how a variety of different communities go about handling animal control. I, I wonder if you, if you can maybe tell us a little bit about what you think is right about the way most communities go about handling animal control and what needs to change. For me, the laws, the laws need to change. They just passed a puppy mill law, which is awesome. You can't stack your crates. The dogs have to have flat bottoms. Uh, They have to have adequate room. That one just passed, I believe, in 2009. Dogs are personal property. And instead of owning your dog, I think that you should be its guardian. Don't say you own your dog. You're your dog's guardian. You're going to take care of your dog. In the perfect world, I would like to be able to go to a house, knock on the door and say, excuse me, you're not caring for your dog properly. I'd like to take your dog and give it the care it needs. If you'd like to readopt it, do so. I can't. That dog is their dog. That's stealing. Yeah, I have to prove in the court that the person is not providing minimum care. Minimum care is food and water. That's all. You don't have to take your dog to the vet unless it's horrendously, you know, hairless or very, very sick. And then again, you have to prove to the court, and the court has to order the animal to be removed. We just lost a case where with a horse starved. We seized the horse. We got the horse into a rescue over in Klamath Falls, 
and we lost our court case because he was providing minimum care grass hay, which had no nutrition for the horse, for the age of the horse, and he provided water. That's all. The jury found him not guilty. So for me, you know, animal control, I would like to everyone to take care of their animals the way that they, in my opinion, that they should with love and health and go to the vet and good food. And if you don't have it, ask for help. There's places out there that'll help. Even with, we've rescued out of Crescent City with um, goats and horses. I have a, a volunteer here that will house livestock. And then we place, especially with the horses, I've placed five horses this year in other, other homes because they can't afford them anymore. So, you know, we don't just do dogs. We try to rescue as much as we can. And down in Crescent City, which is California, their animal control actually can go seize the animals. They don't have to take the court with them. They go seize the animal and bring it in. What an incredible work you do. I wonder, really, just going back to the idea of boarding animals, if you'd have any advice for other shelter administrators who might be listening today, if they wanted to try boarding animals. I know in other communities that it is just such a challenge to be able to have a shelter that's appropriate and healthy and and loving and that has the financial backing that it needs. So I thought this idea of having a boarding facility uh, that could help support the shelter, I just thought this was such a brilliant idea. Any advice that you would offer? The best advice is you got to work hard. You can't be afraid of work. There's nights I don't get, I don't get paid for 12 hours that I put in. I get paid for eight, and I'm not afraid of work. And that's, you've got to have someone that genuinely wants to make it work, that want, likes, likes the dogs, loves the dogs, um, wants the dogs to do what's best for the animals. Sometimes it's not best for me to work the 13 hours, but it's best for the animals. And we're all they have. To board will bring in extra extra money, and our boarding rates are extremely reasonable. Mm-hmm. I checked up in the Portland area, and you know, they'll get $25 a dog per night. We get 12 mm-hmm. and we're happy with that. Uh, and we provide the food. And it's just a, it's a service that is so has worked out so well for the community. People that have to drop what they're doing and run to take care of a sick family member, they know that they can bring their dog here that day and say, I've got to board my dog, I've got an emergency, and we'll take really good care of their animal. And it's been a great income. I would think it would also provide some additional exposure for the shelter so that people would see what you do and, uh, and hear this passion and this compassion that you have for the work and be willing to step up to support it. I would wonder if, there's, if there is anything else that, uh, that you'd want us to know, want to share before we close out our time together. Well, you know, a lot of people, they say, oh, I want a pug. Go to a shelter and look for pugs. Look at a shelter. Go look at Pet Finder. Go find the breed that you want and get it from a shelter. Save a life. You know, for the kill shelter, save a life. Give a dog a chance. Just because it, maybe it's not the cutest thing in the whole world that you don't think it's the, give it a try. You know, take a dog for a walk. Go to a shelter and walk a dog. Go to a shelter and brush a dog. Volunteer. Shelters are desperate for volunteers. Save a dog, save a dog's life, save a cat's life. Adopt from a shelter. Thank you so much, Catherine, for the work that you do. I'm grateful just to hear that there is someone who is, again, just so, those words keep coming to me, passionate and compassionate. So wonderful to know that you are there providing uh, this service for animals in, in Curry County. 
And uh, to all of our listeners today, if you do have any questions or comments about the show, I would invite you to email me at the address that you'll find in my On the Road blog on Pet Life Radio. And as always, I hope you'll join us next time as we head out on the road with Mac and Molly. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.